We're so grateful that you're here to experience the end of what we call Passion Week. There's been a bunch of passion that's been put into this week all across the world, but more importantly, that the passion that we experience is from Jesus and what he did in this week. And we celebrate that, celebrate that week in and week out, and we're grateful that you're here. We're grateful that there are people that are watching online. I've got a bunch of texts of family and friends that are watching, and we're grateful that we can do that to allow people to experience what God is doing. We are on a mission. Yes. This world needs love. Yes. And the love, that brings, the love that we bring will transform people's hearts. Yes. When I put that love inside of me, it radically changes the way that I look at this world. Today, we're going to bring an offering of love to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did. Now, several months ago in January, our church kind of made some decisions, and we did this series called Together, and we created teams, and the teams were to start praying for Team Salvation. Yeah, Team Salvation. They are praying for Team Revelation in the center here, and then my team over here, Team Transformation. And the reason why I'm telling you this is we started praying in this series together that our church, not just on Easter Sunday, but next Sunday and the Sundays that have happened the last 10 or 15 weeks would start experiencing radical salvation. Amen. They will start hearing a direct word from God. We call that revelation and it changes people's hearts. And if you're like me, that starts to change you and transforms you from an old knucklehead there's something that's beautiful that gives God's love to the world, and that's team transformation. And we believe that that's going to happen today, and we know it will happen next week because Christ resurrected, and he brings resurrection power into a church like this. That's why we come and celebrate week in and week out. Do you believe that today? Now, this last week, we had a, a, a drama up here. It was a passion play. It was unbelievable with music. It was powerful. And every time I look at the cross and see what God did upon the cross, through his son, whipping and beating and, and, and nailed upon the cross and mocked and spit at, it blows me away because I know Jeff Rodriguez is the one that put him on the cross. And it's because of my sin, he's up there. And it's because of me, he wants to raise up and bring resurrection to this world. Thanks for clapping. Here's the thing. He wants to do it for you as well. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about all of us in here experiencing Christ for who he is. And we're excited about that. And I can never get over what happened on the cross but without the cross, we don't have the resurrection. And without the resurrection, the cross wouldn't work. Today, we get to experience that same resurrection that happened on that day through the Holy Spirit that is here. And it's going to start working in all of us. And I'm hopefully, uh, hopefully you're excited, but also a little nervous because God can do a mighty work today. Do you believe that? I want to start with a story to kind of get us into the feel of Easter. There's a guy named Philip. This is a true story. And uh, Philip had Down syndrome, and he used to go to church faithfully. He was eight years old, and he loved his church. He, go, he went to church every week. Now, Philip was ill also, and when he would go to church, the people at church, his group, there was eight other kids, they never really fit in with him. They, he always was kind of on the outside looking in, and he wanted to be connected, and it just never worked for him. And even though that was true, he still loved church and loved people and loved going to church. 
Now, one Sunday, the, the Sunday school teacher said, kids, we've got these eggs. Go out into the church ground and find something that represents new life to you. And that was, that was going to be the message. So all the kids run out. In about 20 or 30 minutes, she calls them back in. And she says, okay, let's open up the egg. So this first little girl comes up. She's eight years old. And she opens up her, her little egg. And it says, I got a flower. New life is beautiful. And that's what this represents, beauty. And everybody's like, oh, and then another girl opened up one, and she had caught a butterfly. And she put it right and says, new life is like this butterfly that's been transformed from a caterpillar into this beautiful butterfly. And it's, the transformation is what new life is. And everybody's like, aw. And then there was another one where this boy comes up, and he brings out, and he opens it up, and a rock falls out. And they're like, a rock? And he's like, yeah, I knew all the girls were going to put something pretty and stupid in there. So I put a rock, which would mean different. New life is like different. It's something different. And everybody's like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> then she opens up another egg, and there's nothing in it. And everybody's like, hey, who didn't do this? Who made a mistake? How come they didn't do it? And poor Philip comes up, and he's tugging on his teacher, and he goes, that's my egg. And everybody's like, Philip, what are you doing every time you wreck the service? You don't understand. Why don't you ever get connected with us? And he's like, I did do it right. I did do it right. My egg is empty like the tomb of Jesus Christ. He is risen and he's risen. The egg is empty just like the tomb is empty because Jesus rose again. And all the kids' eyes opened up and the, the teacher started crying because she knew that he got it. Now, from that moment on, he became part of the group. They were connected and it was just a powerful place because they all rallied around him. Now, the sad part of the story was over the next few months, Philip got connected and the, they were just like family. By the end of the year, Philip died. And at his funeral, the church knew, the family knew he might not make it to eight or nine years old. But as the, the, the funeral was going on, and at the end of, the, serm, at the, end of the, the funeral, everybody was putting flowers up. And at the very end, the teacher with her eight students came up and put Easter eggs that were empty, resurrecting, believing that, that Philip had been resurrected. He had a new body because of what Christ did upon the cross. It was the most powerful service that people were weeping for days and weeks and months. Because that egg represents the tomb and what Jesus did. I went to the tomb. I was in Israel this year. If we go to the garden tomb, he's not there. We sat in there. We worshiped. We saw. We experienced it. We walked in there. But the beautiful thing is, when we left, he wasn't there. We, we, we were inside, and you could see this cross on the place where he was laid. But you know what? When we and a couple of people were worshiping in there, we also looked up at the door, and here's what the door says. He's not here because he's risen from the grave. He's alive and well, and he wants to speak to us all today. This morning, we, a group of us got up, like 40 of us got up to do a sunrise service, and here's what we read. It said, early Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it, his face shining like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, 
Don't be afraid, he said. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. And now quickly go and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but they were also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them, greeted them, and he ran to them. They ran to them, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go and tell your brothers and sisters, uh, brothers to leave Galilee, and they will see me there. At that point, Jesus comes out of the grave and starts ministering to people for the next 40 days. 500 witnesses. The evidence is overwhelming that he rose again, and we need to believe that and make it part of our journey in life. At this moment, that's all we need to really hear to make Easter Sunday work. That's all we need to hear. He died, but he rose again so that we can have new life. That's it. That's what Easter's about. But I've got another 30 minutes that they've given me, so I'm going to take it. And I want to give you some application. I want to make sure that you will walk out of here in application. And uh, Now, I don't know if you guys remember like Romper Room or, or uh, some of those early childhood things, but today's number is number one. It's not about we, it's about Jesus. Today, our sermon is about the number one. It's not about we are number one, it's about Jesus being number one, and we're going to make this part of the sermon. When you walk out of here, you say, the crazy pastor was waving a, a thing that said number one, but it's not about you. You're not number one. When you make it a part of your life, you will watch him work and move in a very powerful way. We've been doing this sermon series leading up to Easter called The King and His Kingdom. We've been trying to communicate how the kingdom works, how he reigns and how he loves us and how he ministers to us day in and day out. And today we conclude that series and we're going to talk about seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to read about what Jesus is telling us on how to put God first in our life. But before we do that, we're going to talk. We're going to read our memory verse. We we memorize verses because it's how kids learn, and it's how the children of God learn. And all of us are children of God who claim Jesus. Here's what Jeremiah said in a prophetic writing. He says, "For the time is coming," says the Lord, "when I will rise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do it as just and right through the land. When Jesus comes to this world, he is going to bring radical." game-changing wisdom to you and me. That's what he wants. He wants for us to learn from him so that we can experience all that he has for us. And when he comes, he will bring justice and righteousness. I know we don't understand that all the time, but that's what he wants for us. How do we put God first? Why do we put God first? Those are the questions I want to answer. But here's what I want to start with. Why don't we instantly get God first mindset when we accept him. Why don't I just get to pray and all of a sudden the switch comes on and goes, okay, I'm gonna think about you all the time. That may mean I'm in heaven and I don't need that. God wants us to seek him and put him first on our own. He doesn't want a bunch of robots doing nothing 
We're going to do that in heaven and we're going to be focused on him because of his glory. But on earth, he loves to see his children come and seek him out for his glory. Why don't we put him first? A lot of us don't understand him and who he is and how he is and how he works in our life. Or we can't really see him. It's like, Jeff, I come on a regular basis to church, but I never see him work. It seems like I'm always stuck in this tailspin. Or if you live in this beautiful place we call Ventura County, which two years ago was voted the best place in the country to live, most of us don't even need God. Why do we need a savior? I got the beach. I got a job. My car starts up most of the time. I got clothes today. I got a new shirt on. I don't really need God. The only time I need him is when the lights are flashing behind me. Oh, God, not a ticket. (laughs) Or when my bank account's in the negative and I'm like, oh, God, I need to pay a bill. Or when your kids are a nightmare, oh, God, I need him to go to church. That's when we ask for him. But most of us don't see God and don't put him first because we don't need him. In America, we have so much provision. God is second and third and fourth. In third world countries, They're just thinking about food and shelter, and he's number one. We need to bring that back home. We need to make it about who he is in our life. He needs to be the number one. It's not about we. It's about he, and that's what he wants to do today. So this is going to be our image. The number is one. Amen. So today what I want to do is I want to go to Matthew chapter 6. It's a place in the Bible. Now what we do at this church is, today's the message is Matthew 6.33, but we need to read it in context so that you can see exactly what's said in front and behind this verse. So that way we're not taking it out of, out of context. You as people that come to church, you should check your pastor, make sure he's preaching the right message because we can do things that are wrong. And you should hold them accountable, and we want that here at this church. Here's what Matthew 6 says. If you want to stand, we're going to start praying that God will start speaking to us as a church. If you can stand, great. If you can't, just get your heart ready and listen to what God wants to say, and we're praying for a revelation. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about life, what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is life more, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than a bird? Aren't you much more valuable than the bird? The Bible says that we are to rule over the animals. But God says you are more valuable. But listen, in California, we're all about how we look. Right? How much I eat. The salad bar's got to be epic or I'm not going. If it's not good, if it doesn't got what I like, I'm not going. That's how we are in this country. Californians struggle with this. What do we look like? What do we wear? Did you see what I drive? You see where I live? We struggle with this. And God is challenging us. You've got to stop worrying about we and put him first. And you will find the glory of him in everything that you do. Let's continue. He says this in verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour of your life? No. Can any one of you worry your life into a better place? If you have, come forward. Yeah, I didn't think so. I could do this for the next 50 years and not one person would walk up. But if you continue to worry, I guarantee you, you'll shorten your life. Five or ten years, maybe by the end of the day. You can't worry yourself into a better place. Jesus is communicating, let that stuff go. And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers in in the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, how much will he clothe you? You and I have little faith is what he's telling us. We're worrying about stuff that is useless. Me and my family have been hiking recently, and we go up to this place, and with all the water in California, it's beautiful. And we go up, and my daughter the other day, was we were taking pictures of this flower. I don't know if we have it, but we were taking pictures of this flower in this place. And she was like, this is like the Behold series. When I get up here and see how God paints this landscape with all these wildflowers, you know how beautiful it is? That's what he's talking about. And they don't even worry about what, where they're getting clothed. Because they know that God's in charge. We need to be that same mindset. Here's what he says. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans, those are people that don't live a life towards God, are running after these things. And your heavenly father knows your needs and my need. If you believe in him or don't believe in him, he still knows your needs. And he wants you to come closer to you no matter where you are at or what you've done or, 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 or what you did last night. He doesn't care. He wants you to come broken and whole and allow him to minister to you. That's when he does his best work. That brings us to the place which is our verse. It says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Quit worrying about all the minutia and put God first and all the things around you will start coming into play into a holiness that God wants. Seek first the kingdom. And then here's the, the application right after that. This is how Jesus is and probably the greatest thing that I've learned in my Christian faith. And here's what it says. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own troubles and its own issues. You know, as I was a young kid, I blew off a lot of summer days. A lot of days because I didn't understand the value of one day. Even at 30, I didn't understand it. Today, the one thing that I know is God created light and darkness, and then he separated day and night, and he says, these 24 hours are a gift. We call it the present, and he wants you to use it to the fullest. Use those 24 hours. I'm not asking you to turn your life over to God for the rest of your life. I'm asking it for 24 hours. And if it worked today, try it again tomorrow. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. Give us a revelation, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move, transform us, bring us salvation. Let us hear your voice, Lord, and radically transform a whole group of people. Speak to us all in your glorious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. The application here, if we look at the, the same verse, Matthew 6.33 in the Amplified Version, it amplifies a few, ver a few words in the, in the um, text that really stand strong. Here's what it says in the Amplified Translation. But first and foremost, seek him. First and foremost, who picks their phone up first thing in the morning before they've even woken up and got the crap out of their eye? Can you say crap in your eye? I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, we pick our phone up. And we start tweeting and posting and doing all kinds of stuff. But God says, put me first. Open it up. I made a commitment back in, in December. The first thing I'm going to do is read. And not read news. News sucks. I don't know if you can say that in church either, but I'm blowing it already. So, <laughs> But I'm going to put God first. And that's what he's saying in this verse. Seek him. Put him first. And he says, aim at him, strive, go after. That's where the glory of God is, is when you're on a mission going. That's where the glory of God is. It's not the destination. We're going to get to the destination, and it's going to be beautiful. 
But on the journey that we're there, we need to seek after him. Seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. And he gives a definition of what his righteousness is. His way of doing and being right. Not my way. My way ends up in handcuffs and jail cells. His way, a little better. I haven't been to jail once this week. And then he says the attitude and character of God. That's where we get. Where would you understand, or get the attitude and character of God? It's not on Twitter. It's in the Bible. And if you're, somebody graciously tweets something out in the Bible, this is where the attitude and character of God is. And when you put it inside your life, you start to see him work and do a great work in you. And then he says when you do these things, all this stuff will be given to you in, what, in the way that you need it. It's not going to be Lamborghinis and houses on the hill. It might. That'd be good, huh? I could use one. But he'll give you what you need and it will make sense to you. And he will make you a testimony to the world. And that's what he's interested in. If a Lamborghini will do it, praise God, let's get him. But if it's just about you changing, then let's do that as well. That's what he wants us to do. So here's a question. The way that I read the Bible is I'm reading this and like, is it even possible to, to just put God first? This world is kind of chaotic right now. There's struggles. There's, there's strife. People are struggling to kind of see eye to eye. Politics and worldviews and there's bombings and there's killings and there's rape and there's murder and there's, there's adultery. There's all this stuff happening. Is it even possible? Isn't the world lost and gone? Well, I'm telling you this. It's possible. And I see it in a lot of people that come to church. It is possible. Because God says this, and this is different than the way the world works. He says, if you just believe in me today, I will start to reveal to you things about my future. The way the world is, is go to college, go to high school, get your degree, go to college, get a master's degree, do all this stuff to get your job, a, a tradesman license or whatever. And then once you get the job, you'll start to get some answers and paychecks. And then over time, you'll receive this, this mature, beautiful life. God's not like that. God doesn't care. He wants you to come broken, dirty, filthy rag before him and says, now I'm ready to use you. And he says, if you just believe, I will open up your eyes. And there's a saying in recovery, and there's a saying in the world that more than will be revealed. When you put your heart right with God and say, today, I'm going to put you first. Not me or we, but I'm going to put him first. When I make him number one, even for today, he will start blessing you and opening up your heart to a new thing, and he will reveal more about you, especially when you make him part of your life. That's what he wants. So here's a couple things that we can talk about as we uh, uh, kind of communicate the application of today's Easter message. Why must we seek the, God, uh, seek the kingdom first? How can we do it? And what's the importance of the kingdom? Why should we seek the kingdom first? Here's the thing. It's very simple but very profound. This is why we should seek the kingdom first. Uh, God's kingdom is, 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 is dominant, but man and his kingdom always leads to death and destruction. The way man runs his life, it will run us ragged and right out the door, but the way God runs his life is it's holy and righteousness. Human governments and human ways always lead to death and destruction. Here's what Proverbs says. Solomon brings us heavenly wisdom. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. 
Now, is it physical death? Yeah, sometimes. But for sure, it's spiritual death. Apart from God, you will die spiritually and you will live in darkness. Not because of me, because that's his plan. And our ways always lead us to spiritual death, but God's ways leads us to an everlasting life. And he says, let me come into your heart and let me do some work and you will have a better revelation and you will see God's work and his holiness as you put him first in your life. So how do we do this? All throughout the Gospels, there's Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these Gospels talk about the life of Jesus and how he works and how he moves. These, these Gospels show us how to put God first. And in Mark chapter 1, he tells us exactly what to do. Mark is an action-packed book. It's a Gospel with 16 chapters, and if it was a movie, it'd be like a, I don't know, a good action movie. Uh, I, don't, I was going to say Mel Gibbs, but I don't like that guy, so... Um, <laughs> Something like, like that. But it would be an action pack. And here's what he said. Mark 1, 15, he says, The time has come, he said, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's what he says. This is how you put God first. Repent. What does repent mean? Repent means this. Turn from your old, worldful ways. Repent's definition means Change the normal thinking. If this is what you think you normally should do, repent is, oh, that's not right. I'm going to go this direction, 180 degrees. That's what repent is. And then it says, put God first and start to believe, and then more will be revealed. That's what we're talking about here is repenting and believing. Those are two foundational things that help us experience the glory of God and put him first, making him number one. How do you live a normal life without God? Think about yourself and food and clothing and the cars you drive and what you look like. Obviously, I don't spend much time worrying about that body. <laughs> but I'm working on my relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says it's good to work out, but it's better to put Jesus first and he will do a great work in you. Now, what is the plan? What's the purpose? Why does he have to have a kingdom? And why do we have to have a king? And why does it got to go through this funnel named Jesus? What's the purpose? Well, the purpose is this. God created man in his image. You know that you're the image of God? I looked at myself today and I said, this is you? <laughs> Maybe it was when I was 20. That was a better version of me, right? But he says that God created man in his image. But here's the thing. He created us with lesser powers and abilities. He didn't create us to be God. He created us with lesser abilities to seek God and put him first. And in Christ, we can have resurrection power. But we are not God alone. He said, I'm going to create you with lesser powers so that I will teach you how to be underneath me and let me be your king in the kingdom that I'm creating you. He wants you to be a child of God but also a priest, a holy priest in his kingdom. And I'm not talking about the priest that we know. We're talking about a Levitical priest that sets apart their life for God and does God's work day in and day out. That's what he wants. The Levites, the Levitical priests, they were going in and doing the hard work for the, for the community so that the community could know about God. That's what he wants. Revelation 5.10, the end says that we are to be priests, all of us, men and women, Put ourselves separate from this world and put ourselves for God so that we put Jesus first. Amen. Amen. It's 
Don't leave, bro. I was just kidding. I'm just messing. It's easy to check out now because I've been talking for about 30 minutes. It's easy to miss out what God is saying. And I know somebody in here is saying, Jeff, I do all this and I just don't see him working in my life. And I'm telling you right now, if God's not working in your life, you've limited him to a very small God. But my God, he's big. He breathes and things start to move. He does work and addiction starts to walk away. He brings marriages back. He brings healing out of the name of Jesus. He magnifies himself by the way he moves. And if he's not working in your life, you've limited him. You've made him small. Listen, I'm going to give you my guarantee. If you put God first and you make Jesus first in your life today, and do it for one year. This is the deal I made myself when I was locked up many years ago. If you put Jesus first, and if you do it one year, if in a year your life is not transformed and better, I will refund all your misery and your grief, and you can have it all back. You can go back to that old crappy life what's about you, and, and I'll take it, and I'll give it to someone else who really wants it. Come back next Easter, and I'll give it all back to you. The truth is this, you're making a choice to follow God or not follow God. You're making a choice to be a part of his plan or not. If you choose not to follow God, you're having faith that that plan isn't true. If you're choosing to put Jesus first and make him number one, you also have faith that he is the right plan. I want to close with this story. And last, uh, last uh, service, I, I messed up his name, so... Hopefully it won't offend you if I had to mess up this guy's name. But we're a story about um, computers. Who needs a computer in this room? Anybody like computers? Who doesn't need a computer? You know, to put on an, an application today, you have to submit it. Almost everybody in the room needs a computer on a regular basis. You know, two generations ago, the CEO of IBM said, we probably need five computers in the whole world. I think I got five in my house, and we ain't running any world stuff. We can barely manage our checking account right now. The, the Hewitt Packard CEO said this. He said, there's no reason for anyone to ever have a personal computer at home. I'm going to tell you a story of Steve Jobs and Wozniak. These guys had a plan, and they wanted to make a computer that would be in your home. And so they sold a car, and they sold a calculator, and they brought $1,300, and they put together this Apple Corporation, right? Now, the rest is history. Most of you might have a phone. I don't. I'm a Samsung guy, so go Samsung. Uh, no plug, just letting you know. But these guys had a vision and they had a plan. But here's the problem. They had this computer. They had this prototype. But they wanted to get a computer into everybody in the world. They wanted to put a computer, a home computer. For them to reach a million or a hundred million or a billion computers in the world, they needed a great CEO. And so back in the 70s, they reached out to a guy named John Scully. He happened to be the CEO of Pepsi. The CEO, and Pepsi at that time was on the, the, the roar. It was the fastest growing company. And this guy, Scully, was the number one CEO in the country at the time. And they went out and Jobs went to him and said, hey, will you be our CEO and take us to that next place? And he said, no. Over and over, he kept reaching out, and he kept saying no. And at one point, he got him on the phone, and he asked John Scully, who's there, right there in the middle, and he says, 
Do you want to sell sugar water the rest of your life? Or do you want to change the world? The next day, he quit and joined Apple. Here's what Jesus is saying. Do you want to live a sugar-watered life about yourself? Or do you want to put him first and change the world? The way that we live our life is all about sugar water without God. But if you put him first and you put him a part of your life and you put him in your heart and you say, I am no longer going to make sugar water. I'm going to make you my number one. He starts changing the world. Jesus has a vision too. Seek me, seek ye the kingdom of God. And you will have everything that you've ever wanted in the way that you need it. That's what he wants. And I'm not promising you prosperity. I'm promising you a better life. It's not about money. It's not about clothes and how you look. It's about a life that you will be excited about and that you will want to be about. I want to talk to the non-believer for a second before we close. I got the band up here. They're they're aching to play these next two songs that are going to be powerful. But here's what I want to challenge the non-believer. If you believe that Jesus isn't Lord and Savior, You're taking a risk, a gamble. But if you don't, if you put Jesus first, you're also taking a gamble. Who's right or who's wrong? But here's what C.S. Lewis says. Christianity, if it's false and you choose him and put him first, it's really of zero importance. You're going to go to the same place. But he says, if it's 100% true, you're taking a huge gamble and it's an eternal failure or an eternal success. You've got to make that decision. Either way, you're having faith in one way or the other. And I've, it, it has zero implication on me, but my heart is I want you to have it. Because what I have is something that's been radical and awesome, and it's because of only the power of God and nothing but the power of God. And he wants that same for you. If you struggle with Jesus, believe first, and I promise you more will be revealed. More will be revealed, and you will see more than you ever imagined. Because I'm sitting up here. I used to sit in a church 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and God pulled me out of the seat right where Bill was and said, you're going to be on stage one day. And you know what job I got? Was the janitor mopping at the church. I'm like, this ain't the stage. I'm cleaning the stage on Monday, not on Sunday. But I started to believe, and God started to open and started to move. And now he's up here, and one day he's going to bring more of you up here, and we're going to do more work in this community. Do you believe that today? In the Bible, there's a bunch of prophecy. Prophecy is something predicting the future. And here's what they were predicting about people in a service in 2017 in lovely Camarillo. Here's what God wants to do. Look at and look at this verse and see if this is you today. If you're a mature believer or if you're a non-believer, look at what God was predicting far back several thousand years ago. He says, I want to give you a new heart. I want to put a new spirit in you. I want to take your stony, stubborn heart, and I want to give you a tender, responsive heart. I want you to stop worrying about all the things of this world, and I want you to seek me first and put me number one in your life. And I will do all the work, and all you have to do is believe and accept, and you will have more revealed to you. Once your heart is responsive, I will put a spirit in you so that you will be able to follow my decrees, which is his ways, and you will be able to carefully obey the regulations. 
Listen, when I play within the lines that God has given me, I have so much freedom, so much joy, so much hope, so much more about my life than I ever ever thought. And I make a lot less money, and I drive a little Honda that's about 12 years old, but I'm as happy as I've ever been. Because when he's number one, all that stuff means nothing. So if you've got a stubborn heart today, and there's a bunch out there. Yeah, thank you. I see you. Believers and non-believers, people that have been in church for 20, 30, 40 years still have stubborn hearts. God's going to break them down today. He's going to open us up and we're going to watch this spirit work. So will you just bow your heads and believe that he is going to start breaking down? Unforgiveness is going to go into forgiveness. Hopelessness is going to become hope. The addicted is going to become free and clean. Those that are depressed, healing is going to come because he has overcome the world. He is bringing resurrection in this room right now. If you're here today and you need resurrection in some part of your life, will you just raise your hand? If you need some sort of resurrection power in your life, raise up your hand. I see them. They're going up all over the place. God is saying, I'm going to do a work. If your hand is up, he is going to bring a resurrection into your life today. Somehow, some way, believe and he will work and more will be revealed. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those hands that are going up that you will bring a resurrection power work in their life. You will do a work that will radically transform them, heal them, bless them, bring forgiveness, break down that heart so that it starts feeling and responding to you. For someone that needs Jesus, say this prayer from your heart and in from your mouth and accept him and believe and more will be revealed. If that's you, just repeat after me, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. I accept that you died upon the cross and you rose again for me so I can experience your resurrection power. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to put you first. In the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand up. Let's celebrate. We have an overcoming God and he wants to start working in all of us.